Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast, proudly presented by NBC Sports Edge. My name is DJ Short, and with me here once again is Drew Silva. Things are obviously a little awkward in baseball right now due to the ongoing lockout. However, there was still a lot to digest with the flurry of moves leading into December 2nd. The most active team as far as an outlay of money was the Texas Rangers, which is why we are joined by Levi Weaver of The Athletic for today's episode. Levi, thanks so much for making the time, especially with the holidays approaching. I know it's a busy time, uh, so we really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, one of the best backgrounds, I guess this is more of an audio presentation for our listeners, but there's a lot of interesting stuff back there. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I started buying, for those that, that are listening on audio, uh, I, I just, I, I started buying baseball cards again uh, when everything shut down in 2020. And so sort of all the best ones I have taped up to the wall. And then I've also got vinyl, some books, some paintings, a sort of eerie looking picture of myself. <laughs> that was from my album art when I was a musician. So yeah, this I've got a horse over here that my grandpa did. You can just sort of barely see. Um, nice. Yeah. I have blankets on a guest bed. <laughs> nice. And I, uh, bl- I blues be, rally flags. My my voice can tend to get a bit droney and boring, so I just try to make it as interesting as possible for a visual <laughs> standpoint, yeah. which is going to work great for this audio broadcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, definitely an awesome, awesome background there. Lots of. I hope I don't get lost in that as you're talking, but. Uh, yeah, definitely happy to have you here. So how has the lockout been for you so far? For me, it's been a relief to kind of like, I put the kids to bed and I don't have to rush back to the computer and see if like I missed anything. Yeah. I wonder how you feel about that. So I took uh, I took two weeks of vacation time um, awesome. just almost immediately as soon as the lockout started. Uh, took the kids to New York. They had never, well, they had not been since they were old enough to really remember it. And then, yeah, I did. There's a, there's what's the, the line from office space? Like, what could you do if you could do anything you wanted? And the answer is like, nothing. We do nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I've done for about the last week. It's just, like you said, it's been nice to not have to worry if I, you know, could I go out to dinner with friends or are the Rangers going to make a trade? Like, it's just, yeah. I, mean, I, I honestly, I would be favor in, I would be in favor of like, not a, not necessarily a free agent window, but like a, a, a yearly sort of, two week lockout a month lockout where it's like we're not doing anything from december 15th to january 15th go spend time with your families go go 
we'll right. find free agents right up till then because it was a lot of fun wasn't it like it was, it was awesome. that deadline yeah. approached and like it was just free agent after free agent was coming off the board and it was like done and now we take a break it would be nice to know okay we're going to start again on january 15th right i totally agree i i feel like a lot of people were were mentioning that just sort of the I, it's not artificial, but kind of, you know, there was a deadline. Yeah, so yeah, everything yeah. kind of get, had to get squeezed in there. Um, you know, there's a concern about it being sort of anti-labor in a way, but I could see a way that it could be set up where there's pressure on both sides to to get something done. Yeah. Yeah. And you definitely, I'm sure there are far more complicated factors to this than what I'm putting into thought. I'm sure if, you know, the head of the MLBPA was here, he would lay out plenty of reasons why this is a bad idea. And I'm sure that the owners would probably also lay out reasons that it's a bad idea until I came up with something that I was willing to give up. And then they're like, okay, maybe we can negotiate. <laughs> I, I think we both feel you though, man, as, as yeah. dudes who like aggregate news for a living and try to put like a fantasy spin on it. It's, it's been kind of nice, especially we're going forward with our, our annual draft guide magazine. And that's due, I don't know, over the next two weeks, essentially. And, to be able to write those like columns and player profiles and not have to worry about things changing all of a sudden yeah. is kind of nice. It makes our jobs a little easier and it's, it's just, it's nice to like, yeah, like DJ said to not have to stare at Twitter all the time and worry about that. You're going to be missing something, not having to stare at Twitter all the time in general is a great relief. I hope you stayed off Twitter during your vacation. Mostly. Yeah, I mostly did. Uh, I, I checked in, I don't know, maybe once a day for like five minutes and then just sort of made this huffing sound. Like, <sighs> <and just> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not missing much, I guess. No, no. Um, yeah. Uh, so before we get into the Rangers stuff, just a quick note for our listeners. We're headed down the backstretch of the NFL season and the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet has you covered with Sunday Night 7. We're giving you a shot to win $1 million every Sunday night throughout the rest of the regular season. It's free and easy to play, so predict what will happen between the Washington football team and the Cowboys for a chance to win. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. And Drew, I I noticed something interesting this week. I don't know if you saw this uh, as well, but now you can actually rate podcasts on Spotify. That's something you couldn't do in the past. Uh, I know you could, obviously, you know, everyone knows you could do that in the app store with Apple, but uh, yeah, you can actually rate podcasts on Spotify. So if you, if you are listening to the podcast on Spotify, which sometimes I think it's more convenient to listen to podcasts that way, go ahead and, and give us five stars or whatever the rating system is. I don't actually know what it is. I yeah, listen on, on Google podcasts and they don't have that yet. Yeah. But... You guys introduced your audience to rating it on the week that I'm on. I don't know that that was the best decision. <laughs> Stop being so self-deprecating, man. You're the best dressed guest we've ever had. I'm literally wearing like a jacket. (laughs) That's all you need to be the best guest dressed we've ever had. The best dressed guest. That's hard to say we've ever had. I think you look sharp. Who else did you have on? Mark Carrig? (laughs) We actually, I had him on a couple of years ago. We did a Mets preview, but he was not on camera. Ah, well, I'm just ripping on Mark. I'm sure he was wearing a a tuxedo or something. It's not so, hard to beat. It's mostly like fantasy baseball bloggers. So yeah, the bar is the bar's low. It's like here. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sweet. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get into uh, what the Rangers did uh, before the lockout. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think we all heard that the Rangers wanted to spend some money. We knew that uh, going into the offseason. But to do what they did, which I think was Cole an outlay. Cole Calhoun, of- baby. Cole Calhoun. <laughs> Cole Calhoun, yes. One year, $5.2 million blockbuster signing. Uh, no, I think they the outlay is somewhere in the area of $500, $600 million. If you combine Corey Seager, one point two, if yeah. I remember correctly, it's yeah, it's it's pretty high. Uh, Corey Seager, Marcus Semien, John Gray, and Cole Calhoun. First off, as someone who follows the team and and you know on a daily basis, the Rangers have kind of been a little bit off the radar. I think the past couple of years because they haven't mm-hmm. been a contending team. But you're someone who's followed them on a day to day basis. Were you surprised at how aggressive they were? Um. I knew they were going to be aggressive. I, I think um, I was saying earlier today, like one one thing that I will I really give John Daniels credit for is that I don't, as far as I know, I don't think he's ever lied to my face. Um, now he will say things like, you know, after the 2018 season when, uh, or just before the 2018 season, it was you know everybody thought it might be Adrian Beltre's last season. It was. And people are like, are you going to build a contender to put around Beltre so he can, you know, have one more go at a World Series? And Daniel said, yeah, we're, we are, we plan to be competitive. And, you know, competitive is a very vague term. And they lost a lot of games in 2018. Um, but this offseason, he, leading into it, he basically said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, um, but basically said, yeah, we're going to play at the top of the market, We are, which was pretty uncharacteristic. I've been covering the team since 2016, which is kind of, it was their last playoff year is when this sort of rebuild began. Chris Young, kind of same thing. Like, yeah, we're going to spend commensurate to the size of the market that we are. And DFW is a top five market. And so we started looking at those numbers and like, that's a lot of payroll you guys are going to add. Is that going to be a one-year process? Is that going to be a five-year process? And they said, probably not one year, but you know, over the next couple of years, we plan to get back up where we feel like we should be. And so I was like, all right, they're going to sign one of the four shortstops. I don't think it'll be Marcus Simeon, but probably Trevor Story. That's going to be a big contract. They're probably going to sign a pitcher. Uh, yeah, they're going to kind of really go for it. Even at that, I didn't expect them to sign two of the premier shortstops. Uh, I really thought Marcus Simeon was outside their sort of with him being 31, I didn't think the ages lined up. You know, when they're going to be good again, he's going to be sort of in that Brandon Crawford range. Is he going to be able to play shortstop at 34? Well, all right, solution, you move him to second base. Yeah. Um, and maybe even first base. We yeah, The Rangers have a glut of young infielders that are just kind of probably a year or two away from being big leaguers. So, um, yeah, I was, I was a little surprised that it was quite as aggressive as it was, but I was not surprised. Uh, that they were aggressive. I mean, I sort of took them at their word on that. Yeah, I didn't really believe the Rangers when they were saying all that, but you look at this free agent market, what it was and what it still is. It's a really talented class. And I think if the, the CBA negotiations weren't clouding over this entire offseason, that would get more publicity. Yeah. Um, that there was so much talent there. You, you named, yeah, there's six premier shortstops available. Um, and it kind of makes me mad as, as a Cardinals fan that the Rangers got two of them. Um, I thought it would be kind of a buyer's market for shortstops, but yeah, you see Seager getting 325 million and Correa is probably going to want the same amount and Trevor story. Nice, yeah. Yeah. You saw what Javier Baez got from the Tigers all more than I, than I thought that they would um, pull yeah. in. I, I think the John Gray move was really smart too, getting him mm-hmm. away from, from course field. And I know they still have some work to do pitching wise to really build a, 
contending team, but there's some some really intriguing dynamic kind of lefty righty switch hitting bats up and down that lineup and I don't I mean I think I don't think they're gonna contend next year, but it's certainly yeah. a much more like we just did a fantasy draft for the draft guide, our annual magazine that I mentioned uh, mm-hmm. at the start of the show and like far more Rangers came off the board. I just did finish the write-up for it too. Excuse me if I'm like exhausted, but a lot more Rangers came off the board than I expected and they were interesting to look at their profiles and really dig deep on their numbers. They're gonna have a pretty darn good offense uh, next season. Yeah, which is wild because the offense was the problem last year, mm-hmm. right? Like pitching was, I think, better than people realize. Uh, Taylor Hearn really took a step forward as a starting pitcher. Who else? Jordan Lyles and Mike Fultonovich were not good. Um, but some of their young guys that came up really sort of made some good first impressions. You look at AJ Alexi, you look at Glenn Otto. Mm-hmm. The bullpen was pretty good despite uh, Jose Leclerc and Jonathan Hernandez being out with injury. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Barlow came up and he was lights out as their closer yeah. towards the end of the year. So I think they, I mean, so we could run through a list here of guys that probably by the end of let's call it mid 2023 have a legitimate shot to be in the rotation and be pretty good. Uh, let's start at the top with Jack lighter, Colwyn, And then those guys that I mentioned, Alexi, uh, Otto, Hearn, Dane Dunning. Uh, I don't know if you still count Colby Allard as part of that. He's probably looking more like a bullpen piece at this point, but maybe, you know, he's still just 23 years old. I'm missing like, Owen White just apparently like destroyed the Arizona Fall League. So, I mean, we're already at eight. I'm leaving off uh, who else? Like Ronnie Enriquez or like there's there's like some fringe guys and I'm sure that I'm missing at least one because I just took two weeks off and didn't think about baseball. <laughs> there's a lot, right? Um mm-hmm. So to sign John Gray, I thought was a really good um, move because they do need a veteran starting pitcher. Last year, their two veterans were Fultonevich and and um, and Lyles, and they basically led the American League in home runs allowed. Like I think they were one and two in the American League. You need somebody who's going to have a little bit more success. I still think they need one more. And yeah. honestly, if Clayton Kershaw doesn't want to take a one-year deal to go back to the Dodgers, I have been very... So for the last five years, like there was a chance he was going to hit free agency a while ago. And everyone around here was like, bring him back. It's time. Like, it's not, it would be a waste of money. They're not rebuilding. Don't, don't. He's getting old. Don't. I flipped on that though. Now the circumstances are put him in the room. Let these other guys watch Clayton Kershaw, pick his brain, like learn what he does, learn how to work like him, learn how to approach the game like him. And then put in John Grace. We've also got a guy that's not necessarily like a natural Cy Young candidate that has to really kind of work at being good. Let those guys ping pong back and forth between those two. And then you're good to go. And in two years, you've got an entire rotation of homegrown starting pitchers. Ideally, you know, obviously there are about a million things that could go wrong between now and then, but, uh, but they, they are set up, I think to be pretty good uh, as far as pitching goes, maybe not this year, but maybe as early as 2023. So if it's not Kershaw, let's just say he does go back to the Dodgers. There, mm-hmm. There's still some interesting arms out there in, in free agency. Mm-hmm. Carlos Rodon, mm-hmm. uh, Matthew Boyd was non-tendered. I think there's going to be a lot of te- te- teams that will want to take a chance on a talent like him. Uh, even Kikuchi. on the trade, Yeah, Kikuchi, yeah. Even on the trade front, there's some names who could be out there. I don't know if the A's are a match, but they, you know, we know they're they're interested in trading off some pieces. Uh, the Reds to Red. Sonny mm-hmm. Gray could be a target. Um, do you see them Luis going Castillo in, any of those in that ball, Luis yeah. Castillo in that ballpark? I think. Yeah. Be. 
Yeah, no, I mean, those are all of the guys that I, I think I wrote recently that the Rangers probably still needed another starting pitcher, and you're basically checking off the names that I had talked about. So um, I think Boyd is a really interesting one. Yeah. I think he probably fits more if this were the 2021 Rangers, which basically that entire roster was, you know, this guy hasn't really ever gotten a shot to be a full-timer. Let's see. So it's yeah. Nathaniel Lowe at first base. You got Nick Solak at second base, Isaiah kiner falefa at shortstop. Uh, who was at third? I mean, third base was kind of a, uh, it was Brock Holton, Charlie Colterson. I know that really counts, but Adolis Garcia, who else they were going to, it was Willie Calhoun. It was going to be his year before he was injured. Jose Trevino, Jonah Heim, like the entire team, they made the entire airplane out of, let's see if this guy can do it. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, a couple of guys floated a little bit, but a lot of guys seemed to sink a little bit. Uh, I would love to have seen Matthew Boyd get his shot on that team. This year, it's not that he's not a fit. You know, they're not going to try and go win a World Series in 2023. So maybe, yeah, maybe he is still a fit. But I do think as far as like just having enough innings to go around for some of these younger guys, I I think probably what they're going to want is somebody who is a bit more of a another sort of established veteran. So I think Sonny Gray probably fits that. Yeah. Um, if they can pry him out of the hands of the Reds without taking on, you know, Mike Moustakas' uh, contract right. or who's the other, the uh, the other third baseman that can't play third base. Suarez? Oh, Suarez, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Eugenio Suarez. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that here's, makes sense. Here's a weird question. When did the – I feel like I went on vacation in, in July for a week, and mm-hmm. when I came back, it was Nathaniel Lowe. Yeah. I, and, I, and I was, like, too uh, afraid to ask when that happened. And no, that was super that... weird. Um, his That was his mom. Um, she uh, she was watching the, the, the games, and they kept calling him Nate Lowe, and she was like, that's not his name. We all call him Nathaniel. His name is Nathaniel. And so she – texted him and was like hey can i approach the broadcasters and tell them that your name is nathaniel and he's like sure i don't care <laughs> okay <mom. laughs> so she started sending tweets to like the tv and radio broadcasters going his name is not nate his name is nathaniel and the broadcasters were like okay just check i think this is actually his mom so they asked him like is it nathaniel and he's like yeah i mean that's what people call me but i don't care one way or the other like, well, your mom's yelling at us. We're going to start calling you Nathaniel. I was like, okay, cool. Go um, mom. <laughs> yeah, I don't want his mom to get mad at me. So Nathaniel, <laughs> it is moving forward. Um, so one player I've always been fascinated with on the Rangers, and you know, there's been health issues, injury issues, Willie Calhoun. Mm. Uh, is this kind of his last chance to prove himself in 2022, you think? Yeah, I think so. I was honestly a little surprised that he didn't get non-tendered just because he's 27 i think now and some of the injuries haven't been his fault my goodness the guy worked like he lost what something like 30 pounds or whatever one off season is just has worked and worked and worked to become a good baseball player he was kind of a natural hitter um but wasn't in great shape wasn't a good fielder bad base runner he's worked to to correct all that and so they wanted to reward him with like yeah you earned it you've gotten a shot and then and in spring training of 20 he shattered his jaw julio urias broke his jaw with a fastball yeah came back kind of in time for the season i think it was a hamstring issue that cost him part of the 2020 season this year he got hit with a pitch that broke his hand or broke his forearm i think this thing after thing has, has come up and this guy's just not been able to stay on the field so i was a i kind of thought that it would be like well you know thanks but 
sorry, we were, were full up on designated hitters. Um, instead, they non-tendered uh, Curtis Terry, which I was a little surprised about. And um, But there's still, man, a lot of DHs in this organization. Andy Abanez improved his defense quite a bit last year, and, and he can hit, you know, and he's a right-handed bat. He, um, But really, probably DH slash utility infielder is his best, best bet. Um, who's the other guy that really hit really well last year? Uh, it's not Trent Krim because that's the guy from the independent on Ted Lasso Blaine Krim, uh, <laughs> again, big, you know, hitter can, can really hit not that great in the field. So he's, he's going to have to prove himself and it's yeah. going to have to be this year. Um, yeah. but you know, pulling for the guy, he's just so many little fluky things have gone wrong and he's really just worked and worked to get where he is. So totally. best of luck yeah. to him. Adolis so with Gar- the- I was going to ask about Adolis Garcia. Uh, just he's a really interesting dude. That kind of a tale of two halves last year. Tremendous first half of the season. He was an All Star, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. and then like the front runner for AL Rookie of the Year, and then just sort of completely faded down the stretch. But you look back at the numbers, like thirty-one homers, ninety RBIs, sixteen steals, seventy-seven runs scored. I don't know. What do you get any sense from the Rangers if if they're going to commit to him as like the opening day? center fielder um going into 2022 or is is there some hesitance now that they're kind of spending money and and want to push a little closer to contention that this guy might be kind of a fluke so i i will add this i think he should have won a gold glove Hmm. as well his defense watching him every day was phenomenal like there were not that many bright spots in the rangers 2021 season i'll be honest like it was a it was a drudge to just watch and watching him play defense and his arm was yeah, his arm, but because he played the first part of the season in center field. And then when Joey Gallo was traded, he moved to right field. I think that kind of messed him up on gold glove consideration. As far as 2022 goes, you know, Leody Tavares came up at the beginning of last year, struggled super bad, um, came up at the end and looked better. Didn't probably look quite ready to be a full-time big leaguer just yet. Um, Tavares is their big outfield prospect. So when he's ready to go, you know, they're going to want him to play center field. Um, but it's nice to have somebody that can play there right now. And they don't have to bring him up to the big leagues to open. So I really think that the, if I had to put odds on it, I would say Adolis Garcia starts the year in center field. And then I think maybe some of it has to do too with whether they are the, whether they win the, the Seiya Suzuki, uh, you know, if they get him, you're probably looking at Suzuki in right, Calhoun in left, or maybe they're flipped. Garcia in center field, Tavares starts in AAA, and Willie Calhoun's the DH. Um, yeah. If they don't get him, then yeah, maybe Garcia's back in right field, or maybe Garcia's in left field and Cole Calhoun is more comfortable in right. I don't know. Um, it, it's a whole lot more interesting team with Suzuki in in the fold. Yeah. Thank but at some point, sure. Willie Tavares is going to be ready, and so that's going to mean that whether it be Cole Calhoun or Willie Calhoun or Adolis Garcia, somebody will be out. Um, so. So after adding all these, or adding Corey Seager, um, adding Marcus Simeon, where do things stand with Nick Solak? I was pretty high on him going into last season, um, mm-hmm. but obviously uh, disappointing year. So is he kind of just more in the utility infielder mold at this point? Yeah, I think he's in the conversation for getting traded before spring training if they mm. uh, have time to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was I was pretty high on him coming into last year too. It looked like he was going to be able to hit. His defense was always a little bit of a question, but again, at second base, it's like 
it's fine. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a gold glover. Um, yeah, I would not be surprised to see him traded before the year is or before the, the season starts. And then if he's not, I mean, because you're also looking at Andy Banyas as well. I'm just running through my my sort of internal roster here of uh, can you fit both of those guys on the roster? Because you also got Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who's probably right. the starting third baseman. But Josh Young's going to be up at some point. Uh, he hit really well at AAA last year. And yeah. yeah, he, he might not be the opening day third baseman because what probably makes more sense is to let kind of go back to third base, prove that he's still a, you know, gold glove type third baseman. And then as much as I hate to say it, cause I really like the guy and I'd love for him to be part of the next contending Rangers team, but probably at that point he's established his trade value and yeah. it, you send him off and, and Josh Young is the, is the starting third baseman because I don't think kind of is going to be happy as a utility infielder. I just don't, I think he thinks he's better than that. I think he is better than that. Yeah. Um, now if the Rangers were, you know, the world series favorites in 2022 and we go, Hey man, listen, we just need you to basically be Chris Taylor or Ben Zobrist. We're going to try and win a world series. It's going to mean some outfield. It's going to mean some infield, but you're going to play every day. Yeah. I could see that working, but I don't think he is somebody that's going to be a utility infielder uh, in 2022. So, so yeah, it's interesting. And I know you ask about Solak and I'm talking about kind of Falefa, but I think their fates are very intertwined as is right. you know, the fate of Andy Abanez as well. So I, it looks to me like Solak is probably beyond that out. Josh Young has moved so fast. And I know he lost the 2020 season because there were no minor leagues that year because of COVID, but what the eighth overall pick in 2019 mm-hmm. numbers only improved when he moved from double A AA to triple A last year. Um, and I guess it, we don't know yet if the service time structure is going to change with the new CBA. I feel like it probably won't, but um, have you gotten, have you heard from scouts or like from the front office, just what, what are their feelings on, on Josh Young and what kind of player he can be? And they probably don't want to put too much pressure on him, but I mean, he, he, he went like in the, I don't know, round 18 in this fantasy mock draft we did wow. the other night. I mean, there's just, there's a, there's a lot of buzz of, about him in fantasy yeah. and just around baseball in general. Uh, yeah. So I think part of what made him so good last year was, and we heard the front office and coaches just rave about how he used the 2020 season at the alt camp. I mean, he showed up early, left late, took advantage of the opportunity to be around big league coaches. And they were like, man, by the end of it, we were just, you know, telling these guys, look at what, look at what he does do that. Like <laughs> he's, he's the guy follow him. Um, so he's a, seems like a special kid, honestly. And I, and the Rangers do have a pretty good track record of not really manipulating service time. You know, they didn't really do that with Nomar Mazzara. Um, they didn't yeah. really do that with who are some other examples. I guess uh, Scott Heineman maybe is another one. Uh, Ryan Rua is the guy that I'm thinking of. They brought up Jerickson Profar at 19 years old. Like when, when guys are ready, they have a tendency to bring them up. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think that that's going to be an issue with, with Josh Young. I think when he's ready, he'll be up. I do think they probably just because baseball is the sport where guys have to earn it and then double earn it. And then even if you've earned it, if it's too early, you're like, well, it would look weird if we made you the opening day third baseman. So um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I do think that with Kiner Falefa having earned as much goodwill as he has, um, I think probably that more than anything else 
has to do with Josh Young starting the season in AAA. But at some point, he's going to force their hand. I mean, if he's hitting 450 after a month, you can't leave him down there. So they're going to have to find a place for him. So what about the ETA for for Jack Leiter? Because he he does seem so close to being ready. I, I don't even know the magic number of starts that he might not might need in the minors, but he does seem very advanced. Yeah, he does. Uh, I do think that it's probably still not this year. Um, I think they probably wait until 23 just because they don't want to rush the kid. And they did this sort of, and not that, not that Chichi Gonzalez was ever Jack Leiter. Um, I'm not, please don't, you know, but he was their first round pick. Right. And they, there was some talk that maybe they rushed him to the big leagues and they have not had, uh, his, I know I'm the Rangers beat writer, but I'll give you guys a pop quiz. Who's the last Rangers homegrown ace? Spoiler, like freaking oh. Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers. I was okay. going to say Kenny Rogers. <laughs> if he even counts, right? Like Kevin Brown, was it? You know, you Darvish doesn't count. He came from Japan. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't had Derek it. Holland had his moments, but he, he had his moments. Ace. Yeah. Right, right. He had that great World Series game, but he was never. And he, the back half of 2014 for Holland was just phenomenal. But, you know, the Rangers had had 18,000 injuries that year and it didn't, it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, they haven't, haven't had one. Martin Perez was supposed to be that guy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't that guy. Um, I mean, Michael Machuelo was supposed to be that guy. He's not that guy. It's just guy after guy after guy that has just not done it. And so they're not going to rush Jack Leiter. This is their chance to finally get one right. And so, I, yeah, I think he probably starts the year because he didn't pitch in pro ball last year. He went back to right. Vanderbilt. Um, I think he probably starts the year in high A and then – I would imagine pretty quickly after that, you see him, if he succeeds, you know, give him five, six, seven starts in high A. Then let's see how he does in double A. And if he just kills it in double A, I could see him in triple A by the end of the year. But I just don't think there's any chance he is in the big leagues by this year. Yeah. As as teams, uh, as teams move, like rebuilding teams move toward contention, they get a little more static sometimes with their bullpen rolls, not the raise, of Mm -hmm. course. Um, And we saw Scott Barlow, uh, I'm Joe, sorry, Joe, Joe Barlow. Barlow. Scott Barlow's the Royals closer, uh, but we saw Joe Barlow look really good down the stretch last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's still a lot of relievers on the market that that could be high impact, late inning type dudes for a lot of clubs, including the Rangers. But do you think they're they're comfortable with Joe Barlow uh, being like the primary ninth inning? Like he, he earned 11 saves in like the final six weeks mm-hmm. last year with you know the the good kind of underlying metrics to support that he might be um, pretty legit as like a late inning bullpen arm. Do you think they'd be comfortable with him as the closer going into the year? So I have two answers for that. The first is if they're not comfortable with Joe Barlow, they've probably got Jonathan Hernandez. If they're not comfortable with Jonathan Hernandez, maybe Jose Leclerc is that guy. If they're not mm-hmm. comfortable with Jose Leclerc. Nick Snyder came up and looked really good last year and had a lot of saves in the minor leagues last year. Um, they Brett Martin is, I mean, he's left-handed, but so they've got, uh, Demarcus Evans has a pretty good spin rate, although he did struggle in the big leagues last year. They've got some guys um, that I think probably can fill that role. So if you are allocating funds, I don't know that that's going to be a priority. Yeah. The other side of that is they've had a pretty good track record over the last 10 years of signing veteran closers and then flipping them at the trade deadline. Yeah, Ian Kennedy was that guy this year. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to like Joaquin Soria, um, mm-hmm. but you know, they've, they've had a track record of doing this. So if there's somebody out there that they think, sure, we can get this guy and flip him for prospects, then fine. But I do think that they 
probably have a lot more bullpen arms than it seems just because guys coming back from injury. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So what one other Matt Bush, Matt Bush might be, might even be yeah, back. Matt Bush. Right? Matt so, Bush. Yeah. yeah. A lot of guys coming back from injury uh, to watch in that bullpen. It could be pretty sneaky. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one prospect I wanted to mention also from a fantasy perspective, who could also be sneaky depending on how things go in 2022 is Sam Huff mm-hmm. just has insane um, exit velocity in the yeah. minor strikes out too, but uh, the power is off the charts. Um what chance do you think he has of playing a significant role next season? I think last year was so bad for him. Uh, just in the, I mean, he had those tape measure shots and he had the highlights. You'd see him hitting these 500 foot yeah. home runs. Um, but his batting average was, and I'm, I'm going off the top of my head here. I think it was around 190. Yeah. Um, he struck out a ton. He was coming back from uh, a knee surgery that prevented him from catching. So his catching development is a year behind too. And defense has never been sort of his strong suit. So I think probably more likely he starts the year in AAA and they let Bobby Wilson go down and work with him a little bit um, and try and get the defense back, but try and get those strikeouts down too. And I think he does have the sort of power that projects to be a really great um, for, from a catching standpoint, right? Like it's okay if your catcher, hits 190 the rangers lord knows they've had catchers at 190 a lot in yeah. recent years and so if you can hit 190 but you're also hitting 25 home runs hey great bonus as long as your defense is passable sure. so that's really what that's the test that he has to pass is he has to get his defense up to where it's passable to good and then once that or he has to cut down on the strikeouts and then if he's hitting you know 260 at that point his ops is going to be a thousand and you let him play first base or dh or K, wherever wherever he wants at that point he can play except shortstop because you know <laughs> yeah, he's blocked at this point right fair to say um so we're gonna get into some music stuff in a couple oh, of great. minutes if, if that's okay but uh before we do that uh just another quick mention here for our listeners give the gift of nbc sports edge plus this holiday season 
Get 15% off annual subscriptions when you use the code HOLIDAY15 at checkout. This offer turns to coal on December 31st. That's very clever. So visit NBCSportsEdge.com. So visit NBCEdge.com slash Edge Plus today. And remember, all our premium tools for fantasy DFS and betting are included in one low Edge Plus subscription. So all in one, all sports covered. Uh, Definitely check it out today. Again, that code is HOLIDAY15 at checkout. So I had an interesting thing happen today. Um, my wife sent me a text message. We're both working from home. We make we make coffee like all day. Mm-hmm. We have two small kids. So we just drink coffee all day. So she sent a text to me and she said, can you boil wheat? She meant to say, can you boil water? So okay. I sent out the I sent out this text as a tweet. Um, can you boil wheat? And I said, uh, boiling wheat was probably a band that Guster toured with in 2003. <laughs> and Guster actually answered me and said, That's we so actually right. toured with a band called Wheat in 2001. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a little on the nose. I, I yeah. kind of remember that now that I think about it, that there was a band named Wheat, but... There was also was... a band called Wheatus that did Teenage yes. Wheatback. I know, Wheatus, yeah. yeah. Right. A lot of wheat-based right. bands. <laughs> so <laughs> does Guster follow you, DJ? Or do you think they just like get alerts when someone... Tweets about I guess Guster? it wasn't that long after I tweeted it out, so they're just vanity Wait, searching. You, so you didn't tag them or anything. You just no. Well, okay, yeah, they probably definitely have a Twitter alert set. I but like it, no, I I appreciate that. I, that was they have a sense of humor about it. Yeah. I wasn't insulting Guster. They're fine. I'm yeah. a Guster apologist. They were kind of big when I was in college because I went to Dayton, and there's this thing every year called Dayton to Daytona, where like the juniors and seniors go down to Daytona Beach. And they bring a band down, and it's like free beer on the pool deck. Um, Wait, and they fr- free beer for free beer. Kids. Yeah. Oh, it's people die. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. uh, seriously, a kid died while we were down there. Oh I mean, gosh. it's it's. I don't know if it still goes on, but it did in the early two thousands. Um, and Guster played it one year, and they were terrific, and they like hung out with us all after and really cool guys and i've seen them a few times over the years after that too and i enjoy their music so shout out to guster for getting back to you dj totally um so uh you know it's the end of the year i think everyone's making not everyone but uh you're sort of thinking about what were your favorite albums from the year i made a very long playlist recently because i'm in the middle of writing for this magazine um and you mentioned War on Drugs a couple of weeks ago, Drew. Mm-hmm. I've been totally immersed in that album for, I'd say, the past month or so. It's and I think good. that has bumped, because previously Wild Pink was my top album. A Billion Little Lights was my favorite album of the year. But I think at this point, it's it's War on Drugs. Yeah. Uh, I As much as I love that one, though, that wasn't my number one album of the year. It was uh, the, the Million Masks of God by Manchester Orchestra. Wow. Was my actually? I think I'm wearing. Am I? Yeah. Hey, there we go. Wearing my Manchester Orchestra hoodie right now. Um, yeah, they. I didn't expect them to be able to top Black Mile to the Surface, which was one of my favorite records of all time. And I don't know that they topped it, but it's so often is the case. Like once a band makes a record that cracks that like upper echelon of your like this is my favorite. It a lot of times what happens is the next one you're like, well, it's not that one, so mm-hmm. I don't like it as much, and which is unfair. Um, 
and but this one I waited when it first came out I didn't listen to it I gave it like a, a couple of weeks until I was in a spot like okay I'm gonna just listen start to end which I don't do that often with albums anymore and I'm glad I did and it's beautiful and amazing and there are like recurring themes and like um yeah it's it's one of those that you really should like pull out the lyric sheet and read along with it as it goes through because it's it, it, it's a work of art um the other one was crawler by idols which i thought was okay. um i'm a, a big fan of idols i didn't love their next to last album a ton but uh joy as an act of resistance was another one of those all-time favorites and so i went to go see them when they were in town and heard a couple of songs off the new album I'm like okay this sounds like freaking classic idols um it's still not as good as joy as an act of resistance but there are some at the risk of sounding uh, like I'm trying to be 18 or 21 or however old you are when you say the word bangers these days, there's some real <laughs> bangers on that album and it's uh, it's a worthwhile listen. So I think those are my top two. War on Drugs is pretty close up there though. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned War on Drugs uh, because and what you were saying, how sometimes when a, a band kind of hits that stratosphere and then you're always comparing them to that album. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm a dad, obviously. So uh, I always think about Wilco, you know, Yankee Hotel, Foxtrot, mm -hmm. everything, everything is just everything after that, like kind of can't compare. Right. But this War on Drugs album feels like almost a companion album to like Yankee Hotel, Foxtrot to me. Yeah, a little bit. I, I yeah. feel like there was some like some 80s synth sounds uh, that were going on there. And then his voice, because I was never I had a lot of friends that were really into War on Drugs. And I just never was. And they never. You know, sometimes it just has to grab you and it never grabbed me. So this yeah. may have always been the case, but his voice reminds me of like an, a, a middle-aged Bob Dylan kind of, yeah. Like, yeah. which I think was Bob Dylan's best vocal age because he started off as sort of like the, and then now it's just like, but in between there was like this middle ground between, you know, where, where the dial turned from treble to bass, where you're like, yeah, we got it. All right, this is, it's gritty. This is good. Stay there, Bob Dylan. Don't get worse. Yeah. And then he got worse. Uh, <laughs> but what, like the lead singer from War on Drugs, his voice kind of reminds me of that middle, like when Bob Dylan's voice was at its best uh, sort yeah. of era. And also sometimes the way he like enunciates the words, it almost feels like purposefully done that way, but I could be mm -hmm. wrong. But you, the influences are like on his sleeves. basically. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and then what I one of the like little hidden gems there is that the backing vocalists on the title track uh, that was Lucius. Yeah, who are, I, I love Lucius. I discovered them. It, it's not that often anymore that I discover a band before they're discovered. But I just happened to at the CMJ Music Festival one year run into a guy that was part of their management team, I think. And he was like, dude, you got to hear this. And um, I just I listened to an EP that they had out and loved them. And so then they, you know, skyrocketed pretty quickly after that. But they're they're anytime they're on a track, I'm going to give it a listen. So. I saw War on Drugs. I've told this story probably on this podcast before, but it was in 2014. And it was the night of game one or game two of the NLDS. It was Cardinals Giants and okay. and Colton Wong. It went to extra innings. Colton Wong hit a walk off homer. I'm probably getting some of these details wrong, but um and the war on drugs their lead singer at least is a big phillies fan okay. and he sees everyone in the audience it's a pretty little place like this is 2014 is a while ago um, but they sees everyone looking down at their phone and then um you know people cheer when wong hits the hits the walk-off homer and he like just stops the song and he's, <laughs> he's like you ruined my favorite phillies team 
Uh, we were a juggernaut. It was 2011 uh, when they had like Halliday and yeah, yeah. Uh, and Oswald and Cliff Lee in the same yeah. rotation. And, and Ryan Howard, he's like, you broke Ryan Howard's Achilles. He's like, but I hope you enjoy the set. And he like went back to playing. He's like, your true baseball fan happiness. It was great. Uh, that's great. He was, it was, it was good crowd work. That's awesome. That's not like the time when I was playing in uh, Philadelphia and the, the Cowboys were playing the Eagles that night. I was playing this little venue. It was like maybe 50 to 60 capacity. I mean, it was full, which is nice, but there was like, it's very rare that you can find a venue that small that also has a balcony. It was like really, really small, very cool venue. And um, so I'm, you know, Hey, thank you guys for coming out. And I'm in Philadelphia and, you know, Eagles are playing um so you know that's a big deal you guys came to a show and everyone kind of cheers and i'm like go cowboys and i started <laughs> um, and uh i got roundly booed which is about what i, I think i know what venue you're talking about by the way but i can't oh, really? i can't remember yeah. the name of it yeah because i i actually wrote i wrote for city paper in philadelphia okay. um doing music entertainment kind of stuff and um, it's kind of my home base for a little while. I remember going to shows there, but I cannot remember the name of the venue. Um, but it was a very cool place. If you it did have the balcony yeah. over top. And, yeah. 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 And I mean, nice right capacity was like probably what, 50, 60, 70? Yeah, it was very, very tight. Yeah. I saw like a bunch of pop punk emo type yeah. shows in that. In that it's space. weird, man. That was my whole scene. Like I didn't play pop punk or necessarily emo. It was really like singer songwritery. I don't yeah, know. Like, I've, I've checked it out. It's good stuff. When people ask what kind of music I play, I was like, that is sad. Like, I don't know. But I played so many shows with dudes in like that were like trying to be early brand new or taking back Sunday or mm -hmm. even some 41 or we could get like the used. Like I played a lot of hardcore shows, which is weird because my music was not hard. I was a dude with an acoustic guitar playing hardcore shows. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I love that scene. Those people are my people. I went to Furnace Fest in September which I typically just called sad dad fest on the whole <laughs> lead up to it. Uh, but it, was, it was so great. Like that's, I missed that scene a little bit. It's funny. I, I actually, one of the albums that I got into this year and I'm just gonna, it's a guilty pleasure. It's fine. Uh, John Mayer's new album yeah, is man. actually pretty good. good. Okay. Um, I have not listened to him for, I'd say over 10 years, Yeah. but there's really good songs on there. Like very like, poppy like he kind of it's like a throwback kind of right. album for him and i was into it i liked it a lot um, nice i saw him i saw him with um dead and company recently which yeah. i i was never a grateful dead guy but i had some friends that were at the show and they're like dude come come to the show like, i'm not i look on StubHub and it's like 85 dollars for a ticket i'm, like, I'm not paying 85 dollars yeah. It's like just sneak in, man. Just come sneak in. And I was like, I'm not gonna come and sneak. Okay, I'll try it. You're so not seeing the dead in like 73. Yeah, I just like walked up <laughs> just to the venue. Stormed the gates. Yep. And it was so I walked all the way around the venue. And when I got back, there were like six gates because it was a very big venue, like six gates, and there were just two guards at the far end checking to make sure people weren't bringing their drinks out. And the all the gates were open. So I just like looked at my phone and just walked right in and i got into the dead and company oh, so show. you really did sneak into it i really did show. sneak in yeah uh i don't know <laughs> if that uh ho hopefully nbc is not a sponsor of dead and company <laughs> <laughs> or like the venue that i went into but i need some uh, merch if they are yeah right it was uh yeah anyway so john mayer i will check out the new album 
um it's good. Yeah, i was surprised I, I, like wild blue it. is a good song yeah um yeah i mean he's got good guitar licks and he knows how to write uh like a three or four minute song and, sure. and it's yeah, very listenable yeah he's a he's a pro at, at at cash and checks which you know good for him <laughs> hey if you can do it great good for you yeah uh so levi thanks again for coming on the show this was a blast um and we'll have to have you back we'll see how long this lockout goes we we might be forced to do an hour show just about music and if we do we will have I'd you be, back. i'd be down for that <laughs> is there anything you want to plug before we go here uh no i guess maybe um you know obviously i work for the athletic we operate on subscriptions so come subscribe to the athletic and then i guess throughout the off season occasionally i will do um memorabilia sales from my twitter account where i just sort of go hey i've got x number of baseball cards and i, I sold a bunch of uh, like 1969 tops recently and i um i did like a grab bag thing where i would put it i put in one brooks robinson it was a 1966 tops brooks robinson in one of the packs sold them for 10 bucks each and uh, we raise money for refugee services of texas which is always uh, a good good thing to do so if you want to follow me on twitter the handle is 32 ephus and uh it is mostly insufferable so sorry about that in advance <laughs> you're, you're one of the better follows um yeah. i did enjoy your piece today where at the end you shared a story about uh was it at the gm meetings you met some yeah. guy in the parking lot that was like grilling steaks and was offering yeah. <laughs> offering you weed <laughs> yeah like, yeah you're like, this yeah. is the start of like an eight-part netflix documentary yeah, true crime I wish I kept better notes of all the weird crap that has happened to me covering the Rangers, because it just seems like every time I travel I'm a magnet for this stuff, man. So um, for the listeners that didn't read the, the story, I'll, I'll try and make it short, but this guy struck up a conversation with me as I was headed out to try and get a, like a late night, some late night food. And he was kind of, he just got real creepy vibes from this guy to begin with. Um, I am normally very like, I, I kind of live my life a little bit like yes, man, that Jim Carrey movie where you're like, well, if it's uh, okay, yes, I guess I'll do it. And, um, but this guy had some very not okay vibes about him. And um, so I was, you know, kind of tried to keep the conversation short. He was telling me he's from North Carolina, like, well, I'm from Texas. And I basically just like clammed up at that point. Like, I don't want to give him any more details. So um, he mentioned he would be grilling steaks and I thought he was joking. So I get back and it's late. And he's literally like shirtless in the parking lot, grilling steaks. And so I kind of, you know, keep my head down and hopefully he doesn't notice me get back into my hotel room. And it's late, like well past midnight. And he just comes up and like knocks on my door. He's like, Texas. Don't. Okay. Don't knock on people's motel room doors. First of all, you just don't do that. Um, and especially not that late at night and like just never. Texas I'm like what hey man uh we got steaks and weed you want some and I was like what we got steaks and weed it's free man do you want some and I was like no no I'm going to no I'm going to sleep thank you but I'm good I'm going to sleep and you just hear this like disappointed like oh come on man walks <laughs> off but it was just the most bizarre, like, you know, who, who does that? And that was just one of, I mean, I feel like I get five of these stories every year. And so I'm going to try and do a better job of just writing them down because maybe that it was, people have been asking me to write a book. Maybe the book needs to be 
about just the adventures random stranger interactions yeah i like sympathize with you though like at the top you're like for some reason i attract like random strangers conversation and if i'm ever like traveling alone i don't know what it is like i'll have my headphones in i'm usually like but people just i don't just love to come up and and talk to me which i'm normally fine with but if i'm like not in a good mood or you know, not feeling so great. It's like... I'm normally fine with it, but let me show you what happens when I get on an airplane because I do not like being here's here's my airplane <laughs> uniform for the audio listeners, basically, and there are also earbuds involved. I'm wearing my mask and and my uh, sunglasses and my hood is over, and I just like try to be as you know. <laughs> I do that in the supermarket sometimes. Not the sunglasses, yeah. but the mask, the hoodie, and the headphones. And because well, I fly no southwest, one. and so it's pick your seat, right? Yeah. So anybody can. So I try and basically just look like I'm about to rob a bank. Uh, you want to toe the line, right? Like you don't want to look like you're going to commit a, a, a terrorism on the flight. You don't. That's that's not the energy you want to attract. But you also want to just look very kind of unfriendly, so right. nobody talks to you, and you get I've, to sleep. I a, guess yeah, a good pe- skill. people get a friendly vibe from it. But yeah, sometimes you got to just like. Yeah, I'll tell you, it doesn't work. People yep. still talk to me all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, Which, Levi, it's nice, right? It's nice to be. It's nice. It's nice to be approachable. Yeah. But, uh, not always it's nice. Long, as long as they're not knocking on your motel room at two in the morning. So we got steaks and weed. It's free. Well, it was a pleasure. I hope we have uh, another story for the next time you you stop by. Um, but yeah, this was this was great. Happy holidays and all that. Yeah, of course. Um, Thank you. You guys too. Yeah. If you like what you're hearing with the show Circling the Bases, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. We mentioned earlier Spotify, you can now rate podcasts. So uh, go ahead and help us out there as well. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silve. Be safe out there. Happy holidays. We will see you next time. Bye. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.